ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by the one and only pairing. Sambo and Johnny, how are you, chaps? Good. Going, yep, doing well. Good. good. Pretty, pretty knackered, to be honest, but I'm going well. Pretty knackered from a, big a season that has ended. Yes. And a big day, unfortunately. But yes, mostly the season, of course. Very taxing <laughs> on the, uh, on yep. the viewer. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. We had, we rode those uh, waves of emotion. Yeah. Looking, looking forward to the recovery in the off season. Yeah. Hit, hit the emotional ice baths. Yeah, definitely. That's right. We get to start early this year, put a lot of prep in. We'll be, uh, yeah. yeah, the, the, the AFL men's coverage next year. It's going to be premiership level again. I mean, we were a premiership winning podcast last year. There's only so much you can do. It's hard to back it up year after year. So we'll, exactly. we'll go again. Uh, as next season a lot many many afl media websites and shows desperately want our era to be over it's just a beginning it's just a, a beginning step so we'll be back better and stronger like next year the chaps will be absolutely johnny and let's get straight into it let's do don't it. even need to muck around here let's get straight into all of our thoughts on the final game of the AFL men's season. Obviously, we're going to go straight into AFLW coverage from this Thursday onwards. We'll do a season plus match preview. If I find time, I'm thinking about just doing a quick uh, solo pod if I find the time. Just like a cheat sheet for anyone who's maybe watching the, the AFLW Cats for the first time. Get them up to speed on the history the current squad, the players, all that sort of thing. Because I know uh, on Chaps Twitter, there's been a few people saying, I'm watching for the first time, um, which I, I cottoned on. I was suddenly like, "We've there's a lot of people who aren't used to this. The last time we missed finals, Geelong didn't have an AFLW team. So That's there's crazy. a lot of Cats fans who are going, what am I going to do for the next five, six weeks? Uh, so that's exciting. Hope that you will join the the usual throng of people who follow the aflw with us um so yeah we can launch into all of that yeah it's it's good very good uh let's get into it though chaps uh saturday night the vfl cats fall to the afl dogs at cadinia park on saturday night uh the the resis did pretty well all things considered uh, going up against a pretty strong Bulldogs team that still had finals on the line. The Cats controlled much of this match, uh, well, much of the first half anyway. Geelong really did come out of the gates. I think there was 25 tackles in the first quarter, just so many tackles inside 50, re repeat stoppages in their forward 50. They couldn't capitalise. The first quarter ended after Geelong had kicked the opening two goals of the game. The Cats kicked two goals five for the opening term and went in trailing the Western Bulldogs who kicked 3-1-19. Geelong made it count on the scoreboard a little more in the second quarter. They kicked five goals six to three goals one. 
to take a 7-11-53 to 6-2-38 lead in at the major break. But it all started to unspool a bit in the third term. The Dogs kicked three goals in the first three minutes of the second half. And from there, really started to wrestle the ascendancy their way. The experience of their midfield, uh, the fact that Geelong really didn't have, you know, either of their probably top three forward options in Cameron. Uh, it's probably a little bit disrespectful to Ollie Henry, really, who's cleared 40 goals for the season. They didn't have, you know, in terms of their goal kicking, no Cameron, no Hawkins. Uh, and it all started to unravel, totally coming apart in the final quarter where, where the Cats didn't kick a goal until the the thing was almost done. The Bulldogs kicked six goals to one in the final term to run out 16-8-104 to 11-13-79 winners. Um, I don't know about you chaps. I actually came away surprisingly more frustrated and kind of a bit pissed off and angsty about this result than I had expected to. Uh, once we're in the game and you could see how well some of our guys were playing, how much effort was being put in, I was actually kind of cheesed off that we didn't come away with the four points. Um, and, and, you know, a game I really thought we could have had in the bag, I thought 3-9 to start in terms of our goal scoring uh, was really where we probably lost the game in a lot of ways. What about you, chaps? What were your thoughts? Um, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was kind of the same, honestly. I um. I, I said to John last night when we were chatting, I, I didn't realize how much I wanted the win until it looked like it was on the cards. Um, you know, it's, mm. I was going into it, you know, oh, I've got injuries, blah, blah, blah. Bulldogs have a season to play for, blah, blah, blah. Lots of excuses, just going to watch it for fun. And then about five minutes into it, I was I was ravenous for that for that victory. <laughs> I was, um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought, and, you know, that's a, it is a positive. Like, I think they... I think they did really well. There's some really positive signs, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, just as a as a brief overview, I was kind of I was kind of similar. I was pretty I was pretty cheesed off um, after it. I really felt like that game was there to be had. Um, obviously, would have been easier with you know some other starters in there. But even with the people we had there, it really felt like it was there to be won. And and had we converted. Not even, not even just the actual shots on goals. Not talking like raw behinds versus goals. Yeah. I just mean con converting that that swell, that groundswell of momentum that we seem to have uh, in the first two quarters. If we had to convert that into, you know, three, three or four extra goals, I just think we would have broken it. I think the Bulldogs would have had a real good push, but I think we could have held on. Um, and so it just mm. it just felt like when they came out and kicked those three goals in the third quarter, you, it just felt like the, the, that classic, the script had been switched. Like it just felt like yeah. a different game. Yeah. It just felt like this isn't the game that we just set up for ourselves um, and we're really, you know, we're going to rue it. So I think, I think the fact that we were a bit bummed is a positive sign because it shows that, you know, that, that that young squad had a lot of promise. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the old one out. I came around, came away feeling really okay about it. Mainly because I was just sort of it played out how I thought it was going to play. Like we'll come out on fire, a bit excited, get going, and then I thought the Bulldogs might just. I just had it back in my mind the Bulldogs were going to win, so I just went in with no expectations of to win, no expectations of how. The young guys were going to go. I just had, you know, an mm. idea of 
if they do well, they'll challenge the dogs, and they did. And you know, I think I'm just more looking forward to next year now, especially after that performance, because the young young guys showed a fair bit. And yeah, I was just watching it with pure fun. Still, you know, got into it a bit. Had a you know few mm. yells at the umpire, going, "Well, oh, come on!" All that stuff as you do as you get into it. And yeah, it was a bit frustrated during the game, but afterwards, I was just like, "Well, can't ex- couldn't have asked for more from the team, especially with such a depleted forward line with Oliver Henry being the only experienced." Full forward for our mm. team, um, so I wasn't expecting them to kick a winning score. But I th- what they did do gives us plenty of promise, and basically ensures that the era is not over. It just means that the next crop is going to be just as good as the ones we've got. Maybe not as good as Cameron and all that, but you know we've got the backups mm. there to make sure the platform is still relatively stable. And, yeah, I just came going, well, I've got nothing to worry about next year because we've still got a a really powerful, strong side coming back and we've got some really good young guys coming up who still need a bit more development and still need a bit more work, but the base is pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, I totally like. I agree with with all of that, and and like as in to be excited about next year. And I've been excited about what's to come. Like watching the VFL this season, like seeing all these guys like Conway and Closey and stuff get in. Um, those I think it was was it Zach Guthrie interviewed after the game, and he said Closey. So maybe I'm going to go with Closey, <laughs> Ted Closey, uh, from here on out. Um, but I, and you know, like I normally really don't express this stuff on the pod because i feel like it seems unnecessarily negative but i need to express it in order to explain why i was frustrated i really thought that i feel awkward doing it but i felt like there was a section of the team mainly some veterans that this felt like a bit of a hit and giggle of like, ah, oh, last game of the season, nothing really on the line for it. You know, we're just, you know, some of us are playing our last games. And then there are a bunch of fringe players and youngsters who are fighting to earn their hoops. There's players there, I look at like a Brandon Parfit who absolutely worked his guts out on the night. Um, you look at, I mean, Tom Atkins always does it, but other youngsters you know, like Conway on debut, like Ollie Dempsey, um, like Jack Bowes. And I just, I, I felt at times, you know, I was joking about it during the night of like sub men a goal or out and put Cloacy on at half time. <laughs> it kind of became a bit of a running bit watching it, but it was half serious because, and people will probably say that I'm being unnecessarily negative, but when you look at things like our turnovers, Isaac Smith and Sam Menegola combined to commit a third of our turnovers, 21 of our 65 turnovers. Menegola in particular, 10 turnovers, 10 clangers, and went a kicking efficiency of 47% and a disposal efficiency of 51%. I'm not trying to be mean, but it makes all the sense in the world to me why he isn't going to be there at the Cats next season 
And I don't know, I just felt a bit disappointed for some of the youngsters that there were some guys really putting their bodies on the line, really pushing, and I just felt like for some of the veterans who have been there, done that, won flags, been in grand finals, it it didn't as I said, I just felt a, just a little bit like a bit frustrated on behalf of the younger yeah. and fringe players to <clears throat> who this game really friggin' matters because yeah. it might be there, there are guys who might not get offers in future, might not get contract extensions. I think that's, that's what makes a game a bit, a bit more better for me because if the, the senior guys weren't put in, you know, we're just going, oh, it's the last game of the season and just having a joke around and not playing at the full potential. And the young guys were, and we still challenged Bulldogs right up to that last quarter. Then also just enforces that the young guys are good and they are going yeah. to be well, I th- absolutely I think, superstars. But I yeah, I do. That makes, that makes get... next year better, but not necessarily the game. The game. <laughs> you know what no. I mean? Like it's it like, definitely doesn't it make does, the game it does better. Reinforce, reinforce the future. It reinforces the future. Get what Jake, yeah. yeah, what you're saying, Jake, as well. Like I was with you, like get Manigola off, bring on Closey, or however he says name. But yeah, it is. It's was. It's, I it's felt sorry because... for Nedder. I felt sorry for yeah. Nedder going off. Yeah, because I like he hadn't done anything wrong, and um, he hadn't really. Yeah, I think I think if it, yeah, if it wasn't Menig- Menegola's last game, I think he's the one going off for sure. Yeah. I think, and I think that the, there was the sentiment there to to let him play out the game, which which to, to you know to play devil's advocate, I do appreciate. Like he was one of my totally. favorite players for 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 a few years. Like I think he you know he struggled. He's you know I think he has dropped off a little bit. I think mm. it's not necessarily much has changed with him so much as our game style has changed so much. Like he was one of our best mm. in 2021 when we were playing mm. just like possession heavy, slow kick to kick, low pressure football. And so I think he, his disposal efficiency, if you looked at the stats, I imagine was a lot higher in 2021. Um, and I think, I think our game style has just left him behind a little bit. So it was a little bit bittersweet to me to see him out there and looking a little off the pace. But mm. it wasn't mm. a surprise either. Like we've said all year, like he's not one of the players that we've been going, come on, get him out there, get him out there. Um, I think we all kind of knew where he would be at. Um, yeah. So like I can understand their decision to to keep him, to let him run it out. He's done a lot for the club. He deserved to to get a walk off mm. and, you know, play the whole, play out the whole game in the hoops. I think it's just, I think you can look at a glass half full or glass half empty, like because it like yeah. like what you're describing, Jake. It was just such a game of two two halves, first of all, like quarter mm. one and two and quarter three and four, but also a game of of two halves within the cats, where there was just one group of guys was at a complete opposite end of attitude, and the other guys were were out there kind of um, you know having a laugh, and and I think if the whole squad was on that same page. I don't think it pisses you off as much. Like mm-hmm. if everyone, because it's just the end of the year and you're like, oh yeah, it's, it's fine. But I think it, it only stuck out because of what you're saying, Jake, because then you'd see Atkins and Nevitt and Parfit and these guys playing like there was finals on the card. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it did make it I like, 
I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jake, but to, to look at it positively, I guess, like you're saying, Johnny, it's kind of like, well, that's good. It's great that the young guys could carry us so far in that game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I, I, I kind of feel like we, we always keep it so positive here, but the thing is we don't keep it positive as in we affect positivity and pretend to be positive. What mm. we keep it here is honest. And usually we're very mm. positive. So it's totally fine for you to have some negative feelings, Jagged. I oh, guess yeah. my quest my question to them is well, not a question to them, but I suppose as fans who don't see behind mm. closed doors, we possibly a lot of us possibly would have loved to have seen us come out and smash the Bulldogs at home and really go, Yeah, okay, this year's gone, but look at next mm. year. Like like you're saying, John, there is so much to look forward to next year. But there'd be a lot of fans out there that maybe aren't looking at it as deeply as that aren't looking at the list and going, Oh, you know, looking at it with the glass half full. So I think not that they should have, should have, but they, the cats definitely could have approached that game as a, as a, as a proof of concept to next year, as a way to placate fans and say, we're sorry, but look, look what we're going to do next year. And, and they didn't, but that's fine. But they could have. (laughs) For once, for once, I actually felt like the negative Nancy on Twitter, I didn't say anything. This is sort of the first time I'm expressing this, but like there's been, which is nice, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of cats fans who are maybe normally a little bit down on things going that the future looks bright. And, and I totally agree with all of that. Like this is what we've been badgering on about on the pod, you know, for a long time is that I didn't consider last year as like all in one last hurrah. You could see the other moves that were happening in the draft and in player acquisition and the development that was happening in the VFL that you could sort of go, oh no, this isn't one and one and done. This is again another phase of a long process of trying to win every year. Um and I, I just thought it was like just interesting, I, I guess. And yeah, as you said, Sam, not trying to pretend to be positive. So you can't, you know, I shouldn't pretend not to be you know peeved when when I am peeved. Um I thought the celebration Isaac Smith jumping on Dangerfield when he kicked that goal at halftime <laughs> sort of indicative actually of that I felt like Danger was really actually fired up to to go at this. Like yeah. I almost thought there was just a little bit of pissed off at the way he's, he's, like Isaac Smith jumped up on him. I legitimately thought, oh my God, he's going to injure him. Like I was actually really proud of Dangerfield's efforts in this game. I, I, I yeah. thought. I hope he plays on. Um, I, I still I think, think he has. I think we would know by now if he wasn't. Yeah. Yep. I'll be I, I still think he's totally shocked if he announces his amazing right? flawed. Yeah, exactly. And and but and I shouldn't just say it was veterans either because I had some moments of real disappointment with Sam DeConing. There's a great example hmm. in the game where a ball went over the back, and you see his sort of shoulders droop and he does that, oh, bloody hell sort of thing. They're going to kick a goal. And then he cottoned on to the fact that, oh, wait, actually there's still time I can chase this guy down and affect it. But it was a fraction of a second too late and they ended up getting a goal out of it. And I was kind of annoyed of going, just chase. Don't do the, uh, you know, hang dog expression, turn around and chase. And so I, I saw a couple with Max Holmes as well. and. As I said, it it sounds overly negative, but I guess 
my feeling is I'm so excited about what next year can be. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to turn the page on mm. 2023. And I'm very much ready to turn the page on the sentimentality of final games. I understand it was necessary. I totally get it. But there was some frustration for me that there were some some other players in there desperately trying to win a spot next year. And that game was absolutely fucking there to be taken in the first half. And I felt like we lacked a bit of killer instinct and, and we didn't get it done, but let's, let's talk about like I'll some of the performances I, and I'll, yeah, go. Tell you what, I, um, some of the senior guys, I think they'll be wanting to watch her backs after that performance. Cause the young guys definitely yes. put their best foot forward, put the thing going, well, we're ready. Start picking us over these senior, senior home age care um, people <laughs> who need a nurse to help them out of bed every morning. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> some of the senior guys, like... Shelby, <laughs> should be looking over the shoulder now, especially after that, after seeing some of the young guys, how they performed. Um, because they're coming and they're coming fast and it's going to be hard to keep them, <laughs> keep them out of the team each week. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. And one I actually thought was really nice to see back in the team was Busey. I don't know how yeah. or why they thought it was a good idea. And look, again, trust in the coaching staff, all that sort of stuff. But I, I don't know. He just came back in and I thought, oh, yeah, Jed Buse should be kind of an auto-pick player for definitely, us. Definitely. Um, it's it's funny, just a, sorry, a really quick little thing about the media yeah, and, and Jed Buse. When they, there was a, I can't remember which of the shows it was with Kane Corns and um, uh, the like. Oh, oh, and to be to be fair, they were pretty okay about the cats. They kind of went like they've been up for so long, like there's no reason why they shouldn't be back. So the the next year, the panel was very, very um positive about the cats. But but Kane did say, oh, I've still got questions about their backline. Um, you know, and this this wasn't after this game. This was after after last week. Um. And he's going, you know, I've just got no faith in the in, you know, in the likes of Radigalia, um, Collegiasny and Buse. And I went, Well, Radigalia is most likely not gonna be there next year. And Buse hasn't been playing. Yeah. Fucking moron. Like and he didn't didn't mention the fact we haven't had Jack Henry. Didn't mention the fact that, you know, Sam DeCone's had Dan year, but next year could be back to where he was. Tom Stewart, for me, the best defender in the league. And Zach Guthrie, like just such a dependable. I just it was just so weird to pick out Buse, a player that hasn't even been playing, to go. Oh, I've got no faith in the back line with him back there. Especially after the man of pressure, the back line is getting put under each and every single week, and yet they're still mm. able to defend against the onslaught and keep opposition's score fairly low. Like, I don't think the Cats have lost more than by more than fifty points, maybe. Once this year, and yeah, I think I think that I think against the Bulldogs was the only the fourth time we've conceded more than a hundred points for the whole year. Yeah, so. so I don't know why he's saying that because I thought defensively the Cats have held up terrific all year, especially like with the amount of entries opposition has had, mm. the way the midfield wasn't able to defend themselves properly, and just the, the way they were able to set up and repel attack after attack after attack it was mightily impressive and talking about talking about the the uh the back line does that 
Because that segues into specifics at all, Jake. Because we've talked very generally about this game and next year and all that stuff, but I guess we haven't really cracked into much specific. Uh, I think you might be muted, Jake. (laughs) There's dead air, and it took me a while to realize his mouth was moving. (laughs) I was just like, oh, it's just a delay of the internet. I'm flicking between too many windows on here. I was trying to bring up a thing. uh, a, th- a thing I'd shared on Twitter, which was an article uh, on the ABC, I think it was. Um, just desperately scrolling through a Twitter feed. Anyway, it was a really good article about um, that was by Cody Atkinson, uh, and he, he did co write it, I think, with somebody else. But anyway, it's on the ABC's website. Uh, and it's called Geelong's Gap Year, How the Cats AFL Premiership Defense Unraveled in 2023. And it's by Cody Atkinson and Sean Lawson. Uh, uh, it's a really, really good read. And I, I think what I love about it is it doesn't just do the, oh, well, you know, they're ultimately too old. The list is this. It really gets into the specifics, not only of the injuries and acknowledging the impact of injuries, but uh, it, like it talks about the specific impact that the injuries have had. Um, I, I just wanted to read a, a little bit um, of the article. So it says, in modern footy, a blend is required around the contest. Uh, this is after talking about get Guthrie being injured. Teams have to be able to not only win and use the ball, but effectively defend and block space as well. While Atkins and Blixarves can win hard ball and use it with some effectiveness, their best role is primarily defensive. That's where they are blocking for others to create and shutting down opponents. Geelong's best contest setups last year often worked with one or two midfielders blocking for Dangerfield or Guthrie working downhill against overmatched defenders. That situation has been harder to engineer this year. Guthrie's absence has deprived them of a two-sided midfielder to attack and defend with equal skill. Uh, in the first six weeks of the season with Guthrie in the side, the Cats were one of the best clearances, uh, clearance teams in the competition. Since then, they have been about the worst. Injuries to newly minted captain Dangerfield have exacerbated the problem to those replacements as those replacement options have been cycled through the side. And all of that sort of boils down to how that, in turn exposes the defensive group. If you don't have the the midfield setup you want and you aren't able to do the things and players are like really look at the side that played the dogs on Saturday night and then rewind to the grand final. And mm. I, I don't want to talk about Selwood because I think uh, that's going to run out of mileage real quick, but just look at the players that were on the list this year, still playing no Cam Guthrie, no, um, Mark Blixarves, two essential pieces of Geelong's midfield setup. So I'd I'd really recommend everyone go and have a read of that article because it's, it's really spot on um, and and does a great job of of being specific about who Geelong missed and why they missed them so much. So, yeah. Yeah. I've I've read the article and Uh, yeah, absolutely agree. It's a great article and sums up the season um injury rows and 
how it all just sort of fell apart underneath their underneath their feet mm. pretty rapidly towards the end. Did you you sort of wanted to talk some specifics and stuff about the game? Um, Johnny and I were joking watching the game that the commentators were building this narrative of like the dogs have been so far down and you know, you know, are they really still in the game? Can they make the comeback? And like Geelong's lead was only the biggest lead Geelong had was about twenty points. Um, and we kept making the joke that oh, you know, dogs are still in this fifty points down. I don't think that the Bulldogs. And I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, Sambo, because Johnny and I discussed it on the night. I didn't feel that the dogs were ever playing as badly as the commentary team were making out. Like even early days when we were pressuring, I thought they looked pretty likely to score any time they managed to get out of our defensive press that had been set up in the forward half. Like the idea that we totally played them off the park and then that they surged back, I, I don't know, a little bit overrated. I thought, what about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think they, I think if anything, they maybe looked a little shocked by how the young cats had come out. I think, and that's, and the, so I didn't think they played badly. Like, I still thought they looked dangerous and everything, but it almost just looked like they hadn't quite ticked into that winning mentality to go, oh, wait, we can win this. Like, they sometimes looked, they didn't play to the degree where they should be 50 points down, but it almost looked like sometimes they were playing as if they were 50 points down. <laughs> if, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it did, it did really. And I don't think that's on them so much. I think that's more how the cats came out and how the, how the cats structured up and um, you know, the cats off ball movement and structure was, was just so good um, that we just didn't allow them that many uh, inside inside 50s really um and so and people when we they did get them they were they were pretty efficient but the the specific that had come to mind with me talking about defense was how organized it all looked with with tom stewart back there not going to get into that whole conversation again um but tom stewart was doing tom stewart things uh no one really got in his way um <laughs> so just it's just yeah. worth 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 pointing out i thought that this was not the best the defense has looked for four quarters because we let through quite like in that fourth quarter, I think we really kind of just got tired and there was that kind of disconnect between the two groups of, of players out there. And, um, you know, it all got very disorganized, but for, for two, you know, two, two and a half quarters, I think this is probably the best the back lines looked in a couple of months. Personally, uh, I yep. thought, you know, the, the the frustration levels of the dogs building when the amount of times Tom Stewart was it was intercepting, um, and that kind of loops back around to um, how the dogs were playing is that the dogs are one of those teams, and it really kind of annoys me because the cats aren't one of these teams, where the dogs are one of those teams that play better when they're when they're ticked off, when they when they get angry and annoyed, they can pull these crazy things out. Whereas I think the cats are more you know, we only ever see the cats really lose their cool when we're like down to Brisbane, like we were. Um, I think it was in 2021 when Tom Stewart dumped Cameron over his shoulder. Yeah. Um, like, you know, cats only really get angry when it's too late. Uh, I find um, when we're when we're down and it's and and it's often a bad sign. Whereas the dogs, when when Libba jumped on Conway, 
and then Atkins got in there and Atkins ended up with the ripped jumper and that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, later when Cody Waitman was trying to grab Tom Stewart's legs and trip him over, like it really, it really ticked me off. And I like Liver, but him, him jumping onto uh, Conway did, did lose some brownie Spoke points volumes. for me. Um, yeah. But, but it, it makes you go like, I, it was those moments where I went, the, the dogs are going to lift. The dogs love this. The dogs love when they're, when they're getting angry. They, they like, you know, Cody Waitman pulls out freakish goals when he's annoyed, when he's been, mm. when he's, you know, when he, when he can really rub it in someone's face. So I think it was, mm. it was some of those moments for me that really turned the game around when, you know, Libba was, was remonstrating and, and getting in there and firing him up. And I just felt like, especially with a young cat side, it felt to me like that was going to start affecting us. They were going to get in our heads and we we're going to start turning it over a lot, and we did. <laughs> so I think I think the I think I don't think the Bulldogs ever like played much worse or much better, but the intent with which they played did shift. Their their sort of their killer instinct kicked in, uh, so they just looked a little different. But it's a very long winded way of saying no. I don't think they were playing that bad. I think the Cats were playing very good, but the game was on the Cats' terms, and then the Dogs flipped it. They moved English up. They put Lob in. Um, and it, you know, they just, I think they, they shifted, um, Bont further up too, didn't they? Cause at the start of the game, Atkins was on, was on Bont and then it ended up being Bose, I think. Um, yeah, Bose. and there was, there was a noticeable difference. Like I thought Bose did all right, but I think Atkins kept Bond and Pally a lot quieter than Bose did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think too, it, it's sort of like. The only way Geelong was going to manage to win that was was the pressure, sustaining the pressure inside Ford 50 and, and, and taking their chances at goal. Because it de- I don't know, I, I think that the defensive part of our midfield game, once the other team is transitioning from defending into attack, I feel like is, is something that's been repeatedly exposed this year. And I feel like it's having those players like Cam Guthrie, who I don't know, always seems, if I think back, you know, in time, like he always seems to be one of those players who's able to go two ways really easily. Mm. Um, I think Blix is the same. And I think that, well, like right now, if I think about the back line, if everyone's healthy, I think I'd have Jack Henry in instead of College Asney. I yeah, think Jack no, Henry's so. underratedly one of our very, very best defenders. Um, and and so I thought that was kind of in keeping with the year was when we were able to prevent the dogs transitioning quickly, our our backline looked pretty decent. And as soon as they were able to break that wall of pressure, as soon as that pressure maybe dropped a little bit in the second half. And I mean, that let's not forget too that the the Rory Lobb thing of him moving into the ruck. That really, for some reason, opened things up for them. Um, mm. uh, maybe a little bit more of an agile kind of ruck than what English is, and that seemed to maybe trouble Conway a little bit. I thought Conway really probably definitely held his own against Tim English. Um, so uh, I think once that started to flow against us, then then you're really under the pump. But, I mean, I think most teams are, really. You, if, the d- defensive efforts is a whole team kind of thing 
Uh, were there any other sort yeah. of specifics you wanted to talk, talk about, like as far as how the game played out or um, specific well, players that, yeah. Uh, I was going to say Conway, but we're doing anything on him later on for the Patreons. So can hear mm. that. Join up mm. on the Patreons. Um, just Ollie Henry, I thought he played another really good game, had a very good year in his first year in the hoop, so I feel like he's going to become a very serious threat next year and I feel like he'll be a good foil for the three-headed monster and he might become the, the fourth head or fifth head behind Stengel in that monster group. So, yeah, I just thought he's, yet again, he put his best foot forward, did some really good things, thought his hands were really strong. This this game is you brought up, Jake, um, last week's game against the Saints. He just wasn't able to grab those Usual marks he grabs um, against the St Kilda, but against the Bulldogs, it was getting some really nice, solid above the head marks, chest marks, um, out, out foxing his opponent as well. Uh, could have had what four goals if he had just kicked one bit straighter, but overall, another solid hit out by um, Oliver Henry, and, and I, I think a very promising start to Cat's career for him and looking forward to seeing what he can produce next year. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he, yeah. I think it perfectly demonstrated what we theoretically been talking about uh, maybe three weeks ago when we were talking about how good he was and that like he was almost playing at capacity. Although I think moment to moment he'll get better, you know, with time and, and, and age um, he will get better in some of those one-on-ones and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think as far as output goes, he's been managing to pretty much give us the output I would dream of from him. But mm. when we were talking about that, we said, but he's not there to be number one or two forward. He's there to be three or four. So I think, again, like it's not, you know, when we're talking about the, the forward line not being able to fire against the Bulldogs, it's not on Ollie Henry's shoulders. He He did exactly what, he should do and what we expect him to do every week. It's just that we expect him to do that while Hawkins kicks four and Cameron kicks six, Rowan kicks yeah. two. <laughs> like it's you know, he 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 perfectly, you know, he had a, a pretty um pretty perfect Ollie Henry game. Um and like you were talking before, Jake, about ins and outs and if Jack Henry was healthy, you'd put him in for College Asney. If Jack Henry was healthy for that game, you would have had him up in up forward because he's also a pretty experienced full forward. So you know, he's he's an, he's another player that like is versatile. We, we've we've lacked so many versatile players this year. Like so many of the people that are injured, and you're talking about our you know our defensive the turnovers uh, being unable to stop that sort of counterattack. When you not to not to buy into too old too slow, but if you look at all the players we've got with leg speed, none of them are really, in my opinion, are known for off ball defensive work. Like yeah. Holmes, Smith, Cameron when he's in, they're not, they're not really pressure act tackling kind of players. Like it'd be good if Holmes would add a bit of that, um, over over the years. Yeah, but really like, good. Yeah, so many of that, so many. There was so many times where the Bulldogs are streaking away, and it looked like they were on a different, on a different speed setting on the TV. Um, and you know, College Asney, Menegola, those kind of guys jog, jogging behind trying to catch up. Um, so yeah, like I think 
I think we do have that in the squad, but it is just some of those players that were missing. Um, yeah. I I really like, we touched him briefly, I really liked Nevitt, uh, and I really liked Dempsey. I thought both of them yeah. looked like years more mature than the last time we saw them in the in the AFL squad. Um, still some more development time ahead, uh, and a, a nice big off-season I think will help them a lot. But I thought they're, yeah. I'm lumping them in together, perhaps unfairly, but I think they're, um, their decision-making under pressure was really nice. They both did some really yeah. good spins, yeah. some turns, sold a little bit of candy. Um, their ability to get away a handball um, when the pressure was coming, I think, was really important to us in those times where we were able to move it out of the back line. It often wasn't Holmes or Smith or anyone getting it. It was often... Dempsey or Nevitt getting it out on the wing yeah. and, and linking up with uh, with Parfit or something like that to move it forward. So, really, yeah, I'd be loved, like both of their games. Loved um, the transition from Stewart to Dempsey, who then Dempsey bit off a beautiful bit of work. Um, I thought, geez, he's, mm. he's going to turn it over here, but he waited a kick perfectly, beautifully straight into Dangerfield's chest. But Dangerfield didn't even have to stop between two Bulldogs. Mm. They could just keep running, burn past the Bulldogs and deliver a nice ball to, um, I think it was Henry. And I think Henry may have missed that one. But I thought that kick by Dempsey for a young guy mm. to go, I've got this. I've got this really tough, tough kick that could mm. result in a goal going to the Bulldogs and have the confidence to do it was yeah, I was very impressed by that. Yeah, I thought that's that's something that's something special. He's going to be a great player, and no wonder Stephen Wells was excited by him if he can do that type of thing. And then all the other stuff yeah. you said, Sam, as well, was just beautiful. Yeah, he's really crafty. Like that's the word I always think of when I think about Ollie Dempsey. He's just crafty. He's <laughs> really yeah. clever and. You don't see him get outsmarted very often and you sometimes think, oh, crap, what's he going to do here? You know, he's one of those players that can come up with a really nice tap to someone else's advantage. You know, he, he's sort of a – he's good at freestyling, I think. Uh, in that way, I like – I think he fits well with the Grind Myers sort of types. Another – you know, another player we were missing was was Brad Close, wasn't it? Yeah. Close didn't play. It, like, Close there, didn't there was play. just so Bruin many players play. out when you think. <laughs> yeah. Um Mitch Nevitt, I I think, yeah, has made some real strides. Was, oh, that's what I was gonna say. It was Ollie Henry. When you look at his first um nine games of the season, uh you know, he's only missed one game this year. That was against Freo when he had the the uh split sack or whatever it was, the the oh. injured testicle. Um it was a, so his a first split. Yeah, the first his first nine games versus his last thirteen. So either side of the game he missed. He only had um, seven tackles in his first nine games, and he had twenty eight in his last thirteen. So he went from averaging less than one tackle a game in his first nine to averaging, you know, over two tackles per game in his second thirteen. He led us. Um, he had equal team high tackles inside 50 against the dogs. And the other thing is his goal kicking started the season, 15 goals, 10 behinds, which is pretty decent going in his first nine games, finished it um, 26 goals, 10 
in his last 13 games. So lots of those things. I, I thought that that was something that probably you could have leveled his way in the first half of the season was maybe a lack of pressure, but he's really brought that in the second chunk of games he played and his goal kicking, you know, improved as well. So I'm, I think you could give him just the, the biggest of all ticks for his first season at the Cats. 41 goals, 20 uh, in his first year. Uh, that's that's dreamland. I, I would have been happy with if he came in and like kicked 20 or 25 goals. So to clear 40 uh, in year one is is just massive. Yeah, huge. I mean, I mean uh, while we're talking about forward line. Just, absolutely. I thought mm. I thought Neil did did pretty well. I think he's still. Um, yep. I'm having deja vu. I can't remember who I've spoken about this stuff with. <laughs> um, he's <laughs> he's still got so much potential there, but it does remain untapped potential. I think he just looks absolutely. He's such a big lad, and he plays like he's about two foot shorter and a <laughs> hundred yes. pounds lighter. Looks- like he he looks. He looks a little a little timid, and that's look hmm. that's that's totally understandable. Um, I wouldn't want to go up for those marks either. <laughs> <laughs> but like he's yeah, I think he's with a bit more time. I think he's really going to get there. He's, he showed some some real signs, you know. Good on him for kicking his his first goal, and that um that goal assist over the top. Yes, um to hmm. to Myers was that was like, and this is the highest compliment coming from me. That was like a Gary Rowan goal assist. Like that was just on on the run, you know, under a bit of pressure, just just a absolute plum kick over the top of two defenders in it, like, and he didn't even have to break stride catching that ball running through. So, yeah, that was um a couple of flashes of brilliance, but overall, still just still a young buck. Yeah, he just needs to build that uh, his uh, frame, as the young fellas call it these days. His frame, up and a just bit more. and and even just get more confident with the frame he's got, like. Absolutely, you feel like he he could have could have crunched most people out there, and he he was was acting like he was um yeah like like he was the one going to get hurt. I think he's um you know we don't need him to be as big as Tom Hawkins, but he's he's bigger than he's bigger than um Henry, he's bigger than Cameron, he's bigger than Rowan, (laughs) taller than Hawkins. But as um Jake said during the game, he gets the sense of a young Hawkins in him, Mm. still. Bit out there, unsure of what he's what he's doing just yet. Just looking a bit lost, but you know he's he's going to have a good long off season to work on his forward craft with two, well three, exceptionally good forward forward line players. So yeah, if he works close enough with Hawkins, Cameron, and Rowan, he's going to be a really good a beast. And can't see why and- not with those three teaching him. I would throw in Ollie Henry. Oh, and Ollie Henry. I thought Ollie Henry gave like a masterclass on the of of how to lead and jump and like mark with your hands and be fierce in the marking contest. So even if you're not going to get it, you are going to get a fist in and break up the mark. Not let that defender just have a mark. Yeah, he nearly did that one in the middle. Um, I think the thing with Shannon Neal is like. He's the the cat's website has him listed at as you said Johnny taller than Hawkins but only two kilos lighter. I think it's to go back to Chris Scott's. You know we are the danger. We're the danger. I think Shannon Neal just needs to realize he's the danger. 
He's the big man who can make other people fearful with his footsteps. Like that's, that's going to be the big transition. I think next year is have a bit of confidence that, and and, you know, he's had his injuries. So I don't know if that makes a difference, but you are a big bastard. You are a big bad bastard and you can, you, you can cause some serious fear if you start running through those packs. Like I said, like yeah. Ollie Henry was doing, where he's coming from two yeah. or three deep to jump and pluck a mark. I get a feeling that the cats are like um, the shark from Jaws. Jaws. Um, you know, we're not in the finals this year, but as Chris Scott said, we are the danger. We're just circling these eight other teams who are in the finals playing for the finals at the moment, just going, you have your fun this year. When we have our long off-season that we haven't had for what, eight years and we get primed, mm-hmm. we, we get all our the, um, best players back fitting and firing, I, th- I think the other teams would be, should be very scared of the Cats going into next year. I think they should be very wary of this team because I can't see them getting any, getting worse. I can only see this team getting so much better going forward. We're in the phase where the budget won't let us see the shark yet. All right, we're just, we're just, we're, we're just selling, selling it's it with night- music and sound effects at the moment. Yeah. All right, but next it's a year, nighttime scene. It's the yeah, we we, we saved it. Okay, we're, we're coming back with the full shark next year. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, that that's our um, that's our tagline for next season: full shark. Yeah, we're, we're shark in twenty twenty four, ready to go full shark. Um. I just want to run through maybe a couple of other players. Oh, maybe we should votes. just get into votes. I don't know about you, you chaps. Um, yeah, let's do I, could, I, I can on. imagine. I would like to. I mean, I'm. Yeah. Sure we're going to do an autopsy and a look ahead to next year at some point. Yes. So I'm a little wary yeah. of getting too too far into like. I mean, we already have, but getting too far into talking about what happens next year and and such. So, um, I think yeah, I'm happy to sort of moving to votes let's do it and if anyone feels like you know the the stuff about menegola and isaac smith we had our we we set our piece on those guys the episodes where we knew that it was their last game we have given them their flowers so you know if you're going to take offense bite it Uh, let's let's get we we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for the likes of menegola doing what he did early on um, for the cats, so I think he still mm. has a, done a huge amount for this team. And, and as far as Isaac oh, Smith Isaac goes, Smith. I think you, I think you're only, no. you're only annoyed. Like it only, like I said, it only stands out and annoys you because there's other players that weren't doing. Like I think, I think, yes, Isaac Smith and some of the other, even the other players that were the same, like totally justified in the way yeah. they acted. Like there's nothing wrong with them doing that. It's just no. as a fan, we kind of. To a certain degree, we kind of went in expecting that. We kind of expected a yes, laugh and a send off and that yeah. kind of. And then when we saw some of the younger guys and Parfit playing his best game of the year and all this stuff, it suddenly went, "Oh no, hang on, guys, stop doing that and please pay attention right. <laughs> and, and win this game for us." So I think I don't have anything against Isaac Smith for None. his attitude about it. Barbara, it no. just stood out because suddenly we went, "Hang on, hang on, we might be on here." <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get into some votes, chaps. Let's do it. Uh, Sam, you can lead off. 
right. Maybe slightly controversial, my votes, I feel. Um, we'll find out. Right. Not, not, not fully. I'm not fully controversial, I don't think. But um, I, I think, and just, just a quick aside to say, this is why AFL, if you look at the stats, this is why the AFL fantasy points are such fucking rubbish. <laughs> Sam Menegola is in like the top 10 Um, he's he's fifth of the cats for AFL fantasy points just because he touched the ball a lot and like I said one of my favorite players from the modern era of cats I think his time to move on has Mm. come but like I I love him I really like him as a dude and I liked what he was able to give us but in that game they're not like AFL fantasy points don't look deep enough so don't look at them yeah, no. unless you've unless you're actually just tracking the fancy points. Don't look at them. Um, <laughs> anyway, my one vote is going Patrick Dangerfield. I nice. I uh, yeah, like I was really I was really impressed um, with the, with the way he showed up and you know didn't play. I think he only played sixty something percent of the game. Um, but when he was out yeah. there, it was really damaging. I thought when he wasn't there, it was very noticeable. Um, he didn't. I don't think he got a lot of disposals, eighteen disposals. Um, but yeah, I just thought he really led the way that we've been wanting him to lead all year, and he hasn't been able to because of the team we've got out there, his injuries, rah rah, whatever it's been. Um, so I still wouldn't mind if he hangs up the captaincy and and passes on to Tom Stewart next year. But I think this game did demonstrate to me that if he's captain until he retires, then I'm I'm also okay with that. Um, my two votes are going to Brandon Parfit. Stick him in the side, keep him in the side. Uh, I think he he didn't maybe play a full four four quarters. Uh, he he faded pretty immensely <laughs> immensely. Um, but I think you can always say that about the whole the whole nearly the whole, the whole team. team. Yeah, except for team. my th- except for my three votes. Uh, so Br- Brandon Parfit. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought he did what we again a bit like a bit like. Dangerfield, expect. what we what we expect and we know he's capable of. Uh, and I think he has just needed a bit more consistent game time, which again, I think we kind of speculated. It's hard to be the sub. It's hard to run out there and make an impact with a with one yeah. and a half quarters of a game with high pressure. So I think um, Parfit has really benefited from a little bit of game time. And so imagine what he'll do with really consistent game time. I think... I don't know. Maybe a few weeks ago, even I was kind of, I, I kind of maybe six weeks ago, I was, I felt like he was maybe ready to move on, but I really don't think so. I, I thought he, um, I thought he acquitted himself really well. And my three votes are going to the the new obvious choice in Tom Stewart, probably the only player in my opinion that played a full four quarters as if finals were on the line, um, yeah. and his, you know, like a fringe player whose career depended on it. Uh, and just so good, especially in those first two quarters, having him do Tom Stewart things in the back, just always there. It didn't matter if he had to come in and, and spoil it or clunk a mark in a contest mm. or you just managed to teleport wherever the ball was going. You know, sometimes it looked like the Bulldogs were kicking the ball to him. His his vision is so good and his mm. ability to intercept. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's Tom Stewart. Nice. Sorry, Isaac Smith. What about you, Got a lot of AFL fantasy points, but... <laughs> Too many, too many turnovers. Too many times yep. where you tried to kick a goal when you shouldn't. <laughs> um, my one vote, I'm getting to Brandon Parfit. Um, I was thinking of his two votes, but then I thought, if this is what he's capable of, I want to see more of it. And mm. until then, I'm just giving him the one because yeah. 
this is what we well as you said what we expect and you know very good game and i hope to see more more because his kicking was really good everything he did was really good but i feel like yeah just just a one vote from me um my two votes i'm giving to toby conway i thought nice. just what a fantastic um debut as the main ruck really acquitted himself extremely well and did everything that i hoped he would um and awesome and then yeah so couldn't be happier and tell you what with the ruck stock is looking pretty solid now with stanley and conway i feel like the likes of shannon neal the conan henry can all go fine we can relax we can just play where we need to play which is awesome and my three votes um going to the obvious choice in tom stewart because yeah just absolute beast of a season and of a game and proved again why he's such an important team member and at one stage did he not look like he was extremely pissed off at everyone <laughs> yeah i i um I actually found this game a tricky one. I feel like there was probably six players who were vying for my votes. I'm going to give an honourable... Atkins in there. Uh, Yeah, definitely. I'm going to... It's so hard to know. I I am going to give one vote to Patrick Dangerfield. You know, goal, 18 disposals, nine tackles, equal team high. In tackles to go with five it. clearances. Yeah, two goal assists. So I, I thought he was immense. AFL fantasy um, points. <laughs> oh, where's the big one? Where's the big, yeah, where's big one? Where's the main one, Jake? <laughs> oh, no, it's 104. That's all right. all right. Well, and and although his disposal efficiency says 61.1%, which was our third worst, I actually thought it was one of his better games using the ball. There were times yeah. where I thought he was going to blaze away and instead he, he hit someone lace out. Um, so I'm going to give one vote to Danger. I'm going to give two votes to Parfit. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was closer to what we were talking about Parfit being maybe two seasons ago. Mm. Uh, and, and so encouraging. And not just the fact that he got so many disposals. I thought, and statistically, uh, I'm backed up by this. It was one of his better uh, disposal efficiencies. He went at 69.2% disposal efficiency. And um, as far as his kicking efficiency, I think he was a good 10% higher uh, than his career average for his kicking efficiency, 61.1%. Now, those are numbers I feel like we're happy with that. Mid to Mm. high 60s, that's, that's perfect for a player like him whose primary role is to win hard ball and get it out to other people. So two votes for him. Um, I am giving three votes to, yeah, the obvious choice, Tom Stewart. Uh, As I said last episode, the thing I'm probably saddest about the season ending is that I don't get to watch Tom Stewart uh, another three or four times uh, across the next month. Absolute legend. But we get to see a McDonald, a couple of McDonald's. Yeah, the next best thing, Mm. Megatron. Megatron's back. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, I did want to just oh. give quick honourable mention to Ollie Dempsey. 15 touches, mm-hmm. yep. eight tackles, couple of clearances and a goal. Jack Bowes and Tom Ack. Uh, yeah, no, low, low, John. Um, 
Jack Bowes having 25 touches, uh, six tackles, uh, and four clearances. And Tom Atkins, the goal, 19 touches, eight tackles, five clearances. Between those two guys, they led the team with 12 contested possessions each, and they both went above their average disposal efficiency. So not only, not only did they win hard ball, they also used it really well. I don't get why people don't like Jack Bowes. I think he could turn out to be a really important pickup for us. Um, and and there was a stat I put up. I think it was between Atkins, Dempsey, Bowes, and Parfit. They combined to give us a third of our tackles and nearly the same number, uh, same percentage of pressure act as well. So those those four guys um, really cracked in and 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 gave it a good go. So yeah, that. I think that's it for this recap yep, episode we we're going to get duck behind the patreon curtain and talk in a little bit more depth in the next 10 to 15 minutes about toby conway on the patreon player focus if you want to listen to that sign up for the patreon three dollars fifty us per month extended pods video versions of the pod uh, and vfl coverage when we're in season for that um, make sure you follow along would really like uh those who even have a fleeting interest in trying out the aflw cats come on over and have a listen uh we'll be there live to the first game come down to see us that's right that's right two, two of you get two on us I, 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 I know, you, yeah. i'm able to make it well there's gonna be a whole group of us john so we can just pretend that one of them is you but when people okay. turn up we'll be like yeah, this we'll is john out you've met john now. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell one of my kids is John. I'll just be like, this is John. He's, he looks he looks like he's four, but he, he's actually over thirty. It's Benjamin Button. Alright, yeah. Until next time. <laughs> Johnny Button. Go cats. Go cats. Go cats. <laughs>